Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. There's no doubt the pandemic hit the performing arts hard, but local artists haven't stopped working to connect with their communities. Today, where we live, we get an update from Judy Dworin from the Judy Dworin Performance Project about how the organization has shifted in the last two years. She also announces a big change for the dance nonprofit moving forward. And later we hear from a young woman who founded a company to help dancers and others heal. We want to hear from you, too. Is dance part of your life? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Joining us now on Zoom is Judy Dworn, the Executive and Artistic Director of the Judy Dworn Performance Project, and it now has a new name. Judy, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you, Lucy. It's wonderful to be here. So I'll let you announce the new name of your organization, and then if you could tell us more about the switch. Um, the name of the organization is now the Justice Dance Performance Project, and um, it felt like this was a time to, of such change that we've been through in these last two years, that the changes that we've had to make while holding on to our mission strong, um, it felt like it was time to, to, to have that be stated in the name as well, to be what we do, as opposed to, <clears throat> as opposed to who founded it. When you mentioned uh, the founding, again, this was back in 1989, I believe, that you founded this dance and multi-arts nonprofit in Hartford. And so uh, many years of connecting with the community, uh, with community members. And so for people who may not be familiar with the work of you and your team, talk about how you use dance, uh, again, to elevate issues in our community and the importance of these words now in the name. Yes, excuse me. Um, You know, we've been in existence since 1989. And from our very beginnings, we've always been about the connection between dance and the other arts to social justice. Um, Important, important vehicle for voicing our common humanity and for reaching out to people that may see things in one way and opening those perspectives um, from an experiential point of view, from having the experience. And so um, through the years we've developed, we started with a performance ensemble um, and that ensemble exists today. And um, gradually we branched out into um, moving into the schools, into underserved schools in, in the Hartford area. And we've been at Parkville Community Schools since, well, for over 25 years, and now Moylan Elementary School. And then we had um, a a chance meeting with Wally Lamb that brought us to your correctional institution. And we um, started in 2005 to do residencies for um, those that are incarcerated, the women at York, and developed several programs there, um, a performance program, moms and kids program, 
and and then a program special program for 18 to 25 year olds i am we were then invited to um do a dads and kids program at cybolski and um we started also working in the community both with with kids who have parents or loved ones in prison working in the um, Hartford schools and now Enfield, and also working with returning citizens that we had worked with in prison, continuing to keep their connection to the arts, as um, the arts have been a tremendous vehicle for understanding self, building a sense of, of self and identity, and, um, and understanding and building community. And so that's been our mission throughout. We've, we've been able to hold on to that mission throughout this difficult period of time as well, and have been able to serve all the populations as well as perform um, during, during the pandemic too. We'll be talking more about how you and your organization have really uh, transformed, especially during the pandemic. But I don't think I've ever asked you, uh, Judy, about how this work has transformed you. What does it mean to you to be uh, doing this for so long? Um, it's been an amazing journey. I think that um, as an artist I've, um, and as a teacher and as a person, I continue to both share and grow myself. That every experience that I've had and every population that I've worked with and every person that I've worked with helps me to um, understand and grow more as a person. This project has been um, like a child. <laughs> it's been a family, it, it, it's been a family member. Um, I've lived and breathed it and continue and, play, and will be, I'm not going anywhere, I'm continuing to lead us through this next um, incarnation. But I think that um, it, it has only furthered my understanding of what the arts can bring. I feel that all of us as artists are blessed with a kind of um, opportunity and an opportunity to really make a difference and to help people understand that they too make a difference. And so that um, it, it's a heart journey and it's a, a connecting of the mind, body, and spirit in a way that has been beautiful and um, continuously expanding, as well as the having the administrative kind of know-how to keep it all going and to keep all the pieces together and to keep us moving forward always. You're hearing Judy Dworin here on Where We Live, Executive and Artistic Director of the now Justice Dance Performing Project. Again, uh, the name change uh, as they move forward, uh, working uh, on, um, again, the arts, uh, multi-arts and dance, uh, also to um, help elevate uh, social change and issues that matter to local communities. For listeners who've been able to see Judy and her team perform through the years, we'd love to hear from you about the impact uh, that uh, this performance project has brought to you. Again, our number 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. And so when you were talking about this with your team, you know, what were some of the reactions and thinking about how you have adapted over the, the last two years, Judy, if you could share some of those, those struggles and, and how you've, have you, how you've done it. Well, it was interesting when we, um, when the pandemic started, we were one week into rehearsal for um, a, a new collaboration that we were doing at the Museum of um, American Art. And um, it was based on a, on a 
the late work of Helen Frankenthaler. And it was kind of a new direction for us and we were all very excited about it. And a week later, we were, um, we were all at home. And so how to keep this going? So we, we went to Zoom um, and um, had rehearsals on Zoom. The company was all very willing to, um, to, to try that. And I gave different prompts and, and activities for them and explorations for them to do during the week. And we shared them um, when we came together. And we built a piece in that way and um, were able to finally get to the museum and um, perform those dances in the galleries where we had intended to have audience there. We performed them just ourselves. We had a wonderful videographer, PJ Brockett, who filmed all the dances in the galleries with the paintings. And then we created, a, and he created a film that we were able to show to the, to the public. Um, we also were able to bring the material out to the grounds of the New Britain Museum and do an outdoor performance for a small audience. So it was, um, I think it was the farthest thing from my mind to ever think of, that I would be having rehearsals on Zoom. Um, and yet it worked and it allowed us, we, it allowed us to bring in audience at the very beginning of our process and have open rehearsals where, where people that wouldn't see our process at, that early on were able to. And I think it really helped people that were going through this experience to have this um, ability to engage in the arts and see it in process and to also see a painter who was so interested in nature and in light and in color um, at a time that it felt so dark. Um, the staff, we, we, we started having staff meetings every day because we were all working from home. And, and those were long staff meetings in which there were brainstormings of how, what to do next and how to, to adapt to the next thing. And, and, and so, for instance, Robin Genzano, who works um, with us as an, um, our director of operations and community outreach and has a lot of um, technological savvy, she really became the generator of the, of the Zoom possibilities. And, and her job kind of shifted in certain ways um, to be able to, make it possible for us to still outreach to, to, to our communities. We were um, able to create video packets for our school programs and give them to teachers and make them available to teachers to use in their classrooms. And those went anywhere from very brief, what we call brain breaks, just to give the kids um, the opportunity to just be in their bodies at a time when we were so constricted. And um, others were some a story reading and then movement activities to go with it and the writing prompts and art prompts. And so that kept that program alive and well. And the prisons, um, the prison administration kindly allowed us to continue working with our groups in prison through correspondence. And so I was able to send prompts um, to both the men at, at Saivolsky, the dads, and to our women at York, both in the performance residency and, um, and also in, in our moms and kids program. And from the, what we received back, their writings and their artwork, we created booklets that we were sending both to them. We had them graphically designed, um, professionally graphically designed and sent them to their families and to them. And so it was really, as I saw it about keeping connection at a time when we were in such isolation, how to keep the connection going, 
amongst our program participants and, and, and um, our, our audiences. Um, New Beginnings, which is an outreach we do with Trinity College students and returning citizens. We, we were able to do that on Zoom. And what it allowed us to do was to reach those that were farther away that if would be too far, living too far away to, to, to be able to come to Hartford to do it live where we used to do it in a studio at Trinity College. But, um, but on Zoom, we were able to include a larger population in, in the group. And our performances, which were Zoom performances, we were able to extend that out beyond just the local area to, and to nationally, so that there were people from all over the country that were able to watch the performances, both of New Beginnings and the York work that we did. We, we have often taken the material that we work on with the women at York and bring it out to um, the community with DOC permission. And we were able to do that with the women's work so that although they weren't able to perform it, we were able to bring it to audiences that do come to the prison or did come to the prison in the past. And, um, and so all of it kept going. And Judy, when you say returning citizens, you're talking about individuals who are formerly incarcerated returning to their, their communities? That's right. Yes, yes. And, and we, it's, great, it's great to hear about the correspondence as a way to keep in touch with individuals inside the correctional facilities. That must have been a huge loss, though, as well, when you think about the way you and your team have been able to interact uh, in these programs, visiting with them in person. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. Um, yes, it's been huge. We haven't seen um, our women who actually we many of these women we've worked with for many, many years, for two years. Um, and so it's been um, both a blessing to be able to keep in touch, but we miss them and we miss the, the interaction, the creative energy that happens there and the growth is, is incredible. And so that's, um, that's happened to some extent, but obviously it's not the same as being there. And the same for the, the, the dads. We've, at Cybolski, we've been able to occasionally um, see, see the men on Zoom. Many of the men that we've worked with when we were actually going to the prison are now out in the community. Um, and so we're, we're working with dads right now that we've never met in person. But um, we're fortunately in these next months going to be able to have more consistent um, meetings on, uh, on, on Teams rather than, than, than Zoom. And so we're getting to know them and, and, and still working with them in both an interactive um, in-person, virtual in-person way, and um, also in creating booklets that we can send to their families. Um, we'll, be, we'll be hearing from some of the community members that, that Judy and her team have worked with. Again, Judy Dworin is my guest today, Executive and Artistic Director of the Now Justice Dance Performance Project. Uh, the work continues, the name has changed, and we're going to continue talking with Judy uh, about that work and hear from some of these community members. You can join us too, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Judy Dwarren is my guest today. She's been the longtime executive and artistic director of the Judy Dwarren Performance Project. But as Judy explained, the nonprofit has a new name, the Justice Dance Performance Project, a change that she says more fully reflects their work. Now, her dance and multi-arts project has been around for more than 30 years. Judy and members have been guests on Where We Live in recent years, talking about their work like Brave in a New World. That was back in 2016, which weaved spoken word and dance around the experiences of ex-offenders and their families. Judy Dwarren is with us on Zoom. And as I mentioned, she's worked with many community members over the years. With us now on the phone is Tyran Sampson. He lives in Hartford, and he's a community leader and a father. Tyran, welcome to our show. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. So so tell us about how you got involved with uh, what was then the Judy Dwarren Performance Project. Um, how I got involved, um, I was, you know, locked up, incarcerated back in 2016, and I was in the Second Chance Program, and, you know, in the Second Chance Program, there was a lot of, um, programs that was offered to us and stuff, a lot of, um, just, um, then I came across duty program and stuff, a father kids program and stuff, and who wouldn't want to be connected with their kids and stuff and who wouldn't want to try a program that offer that offers some type of way to be more connected to your kids and stuff so i thought it was going to just be like i heard it was going to be like a three-hour visit at the end of the program and i thought it was just going to be like something regular and stuff but as i um begin the program me and the fellas in there and stuff like we was learning stuff about ourselves and stuff like learning how to express our feelings and and dealing with the, the pain and the trauma of what we grown into and what we was living before before we got incarcerated and stuff. And we was learning how to express it on the paper through um drawing, through meditation, through dancing, everything and stuff. So we did these sessions about like I think one time a week for six weeks. Then at the end of everything and stuff, like when we put put together like our little um pieces and our uh, performance and stuff, we get the three hours with the um with our kids and everything. So tell me a little bit about that. How uh, you were part of that that father kids program? How that helped you connect with your daughter? What was her reaction when you performed for her? Um, it was kind of it was kind of shocking and stuff to her and stuff like because. Like I was, I was locked up for a little piece of her life and stuff. So for her to see me on that different type of level, like it was kind of shocking for her, but it was also like comforting, comforting to her and stuff. Like she was, she was, she was loving it and stuff because she was seeing me at my best with my feelings out, spilled out on the table and stuff like dancing and singing to her and stuff like so she was seeing me at my best and and that's all that's what i want to continue to let her see me at my best let all my kids see me at my best and stuff and so um after you were released i understand that you still connected with judy dorn and and the performance project you joined the the new beginnings program can you tell me more about that or was this after tell me more how you stayed involved um 
Yeah, how I stayed involved and stuff, like, you know, while I was locked up, you know, and I was um, doing the program and stuff, it was it was stepping out of my comfort zone, but it was real easy and stuff because all we had, we, we had is time and stuff. Well, but when I was back into society, trying to reconnect with my family, with my kids and everything, um, I felt that I needed to stay in tune with Judy and stuff to keep me, to keep me grounded and to get me to do something out of my comfort zone into society and stuff. Like, I didn't want to go back to what I was just normally used to and stuff. Like, a nine to five, come home, work, or, or not really doing nothing with myself and stuff. So I, I found out, like, by, Working with Judy out here and stuff, like, it's been amazing and stuff. Mm. Like, it definitely has. Uh, Judy Doran is still with us. Judy, did you want to respond to what Tyran shared? I loved what he said about the connection with his daughter and, and showing uh, his best self to her. Yeah, it was really beautiful to see that happen um, and to see also Tyran discover his own ability to to move and express himself through movement and to, to write and to, um, and to share his writing and perform, as he said. And I think he took that out into the community in New Beginnings because in New Beginnings, there's a lot of writing and, um, and sharing of that writing and opportunity to explore um, in different ways. But he wrote, I think he understood that he was a writer, that he had, um, things to say and things that he could um, he could build on from what he had built with the relationship with his daughter and how he has continued to do that outside and with his whole family, but that he also could could speak out strongly about his own experience and also move and dance. I mean, he recently not only has he been in New Beginnings, but he was in a piece that we did um, taking prison material out to the community at. Harriet Beecher Stowe Center outdoors called Emergence. And he did two amazing pieces and, and performed them in movement and was spoken word, his spoken word recorded. And it was just, the audience was held by those pieces. And I think he's understood the strength of who he is as a person. Um, he works through the, with the ACLU as well. And um, I, I couldn't feel more proud of him. I mean, he's an example of the best of what we would hope could happen from our programs. Hmm. Tyran, uh, writing can be emotional. Um, can you talk through with us the process uh, that um, that helped you and and what you have focused on uh, in your writing? Um, you no, know, I never, um, I never really considered myself as, as a writer and stuff. Like I never did and stuff. I never even thought that I, I'd be able to write pieces and kind of perform them or let people hear my emotions and my feelings that I wrote on this piece of paper and stuff. Like it was a, a difficult process and stuff. Like sometimes they could be difficult and stuff like expressing my feelings to people like verbally and stuff. It'd be hard and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I get, uh, sometimes I get real emotional and stuff, but it's like letting everything out on a piece of paper and stuff. Then it's even better and stuff when, everybody else can hear your emotions and your feelings through your voice that I learned 
that I found, that I found out I had a voice that I could really speak out and let people know the history on my, uh, I love, uh, I, I just enjoy this stuff because my kids, they get to hear a piece of me and stuff, my feelings, my emotions, and it's like a history lesson and stuff. Like they, they seen what I've been through, what I've been learned over the years and stuff, what I'm trying to achieve and everything. So they learning as well and stuff as I'm continuing to keep learning about myself by writing pieces and everything because it just it's just wonderful and stuff. I mm-hmm. like well, thank you for sharing that with us. Tyran Sampson, again, he lives in Hartford. He's a community leader and a father. Uh, again, one of the guest performers with now the Justice Dance Performance Project, formerly the Judy Dwarren Performance Project. Tyran, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. I wanted to bring in another community member that has worked with Judy and her team on Zoom with us is Victoria Steele, again, a guest performer with the Justice Dance Performance Project. Victoria, welcome to our show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. So uh, as I asked Tyran, I'd love to hear how you got connected with Judy and its impact on you. Um, so I, I, I got involved with Judy Dolan through, um, it was a collaboration through, um, a criminal justice system, criminal, a criminal justice program that I was involved in when I came out of prison in 2010 um, called um, Resettlement Program with CPA, Community Partners. And um, so, and then it was a, co- a collaboration between the Judy Dorwin, um Resettlement Program and the Trinity Students um, called New Beginnings. And that's how I got involved. And they they just asked me that I wanted to be in this group. And um, what ended up happening as um, I got involved with this group with the Trinity students, um, it just, see, art, art is universal. You know, that's a language that everybody understands. And I just thought it was absolutely beautiful creating these pieces and um, getting to know these students and allowing these students to get to know us. Tell me about some of uh, the art that uh, you have created, uh, again, as a now a guest performer with the Justice Dance Performance Project. I understand that you did a video performance that you created after the murder of George Floyd. Can you describe that for us? Yeah, so we did a a call and response, um, and I think that was that 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 was a safe. We created like a safe platform for people to um, sort of talk about how they felt Um, as a black woman in America. We all um, had some feelings towards um, the murder of George Floyd, and. the constant um, racism in America, right? And so um, it, it felt really good to have that platform and to have a, um, a place where we can, you know, have those conversations, right? Um, so it was, it was very, very powerful. Um, Judy is still with us. Uh, Judy, can you talk about uh, what Victoria uh, created and about this program that she was involved in? Yeah, um, Response and Call was, um, was as, as Victoria explained, 
a platform that was created at JDPP for artists of color that were affiliated with the organization. And now it's, and, and it's a continuing program that now we have three performances, virtual performances each year, and it's continued to evolve, but it was really a place to, um, to share um, both art and ideas of, and, and responses and reflections. And Victoria um, performed a piece that um, was written by somebody at, at York who was at York at the time, um, is now in the community. And it was, um, and, and, and it was a piece about survival. Um, and it, it was um, called Two Left Feet. And it had a lot of humor to it, as well as, um, as, as a very strong statement of survival. <clears throat> and um, Victoria performed that. She, she's a really amazing performer and she's also a singer. She was part of, when we first started doing these outreaches with returning citizens, we created a small singing group called Women on Our Own. And she was part of that and performed many places in the community. And that was a musical director from JDPP, Leslie Bird. And then New Beginnings and then, and, and then Response in a Call. And Response in a Call feels like a very important platform for JDPP and one that will continue. And Victoria was at the foundation of its starting. Victoria, it's, it sounds like this work has had an impact on you personally, but I understand that you're now taking your lived experience to help others. Can you talk us, talk about that with us? Yeah, so, you know, I in my own personal life, like I, um, I, um, I'm constantly advocating for other people. Um, I'm a person in recovery from mental health and addiction. And so um, that's um, one of the things that um, I'm, I try to constantly provide for other people is, you know, present hope and change and um, just go into different communities and different settings and tell my story, right? Um, I believe that everyone has a story and I believe that your story is, is um, um, if it, it can help someone else, right? Um, Is there a particular moment that that really um, made an impact on you, Victoria? I understand you've performed, was it over 200 venues? You're working with uh, Trinity students and with community members. Uh, Is there a moment that you wanna share with us uh, where the work that you're doing, um, you know, really um, made an impact on you? I, 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 I would like to say, um, that um, working with the Trinity students was um, sort of the aha moment for me. Um, and um, just watching the growth and watching the, watching it evolve and become this uh, beautiful um, sort of, I, I, I can't even, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, you know, we used to create these beautiful pieces and then, you know, I would go back and I would watch them graduate and just, I don't, I think art is just so beautiful, so magical and um, transforming and uh, to, um, you, you would think that, you know, it, it, as a person that has been in and out of prison all of her life and then we go into this college with these these young students that, that you know the world is just sort of um uh evolving and they're like really 
starving for information and, you know, and um, very sensitive and, you know, I mean, just loving and caring and very spiritual. And then we create these beautiful pieces. And at the end of our six weeks, you know, we put all this stuff on paper and then we start to um, get creative with it. Um, um, it really does yeah. sound transformative, uh, the ability to make those connections. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much for talking with us about um, you know, what you've gotten out of this program, what you have contributed uh, to now the Justice Dance Performance Project. I really appreciate hearing from you. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, uh, Judy, uh, since we're talking about the future, I'd love for you to um, maybe briefly uh, tell our listeners about uh, some of the projects that you have planned, uh, again, moving under this new name, the Justice Dance Performing Project. Sure. Um, well, happily, um, we're back in the schools and with our Moving Matters program, and that's been amazing. And that's become a much more multi-arts program, not just movement-based. So that's a change that's been very immediate and it's been working really beautifully under the direction of Kathy Bortet-Gerston. And um, beyond that, we're gonna definitely keep the response and call platform open and developing so that we'll um, to live stream and then at some point, hopefully um, in person. Um, and, and, and that may not be too far, far in the future. Um, I'm also working on a new piece um, with the ensemble that's about trees. And um, I, I've been doing reading about um, the messages that we get, what, the understanding that I never had about trees and the life of trees and the sense of community and the communication that, that goes on um, between trees. And it was something that, and it, it really has struck, struck me because I've, I've been reading the work of Suzanne Samard, who's um, written about, about this, these kinds of connections and, and scientifically based connections. And um, I realized that, you know, we live in this world that we, and we ignore for the most part, most of us ignore the, the sense of the wisdom that surrounds us and listening to nature and finding that wisdom. And our country and our world is in such a, a terrible state right now. I think more so than I remember at all in my, at any time in my life. And I feel like um, there's some way in which the fact that that, that trees su support each other and their their communities and there's this fungus that works underneath that 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 sends these messages and and when some one tree is hurting and the other trees are out there sending nutrients to help that tree. And, it's, and, and that diverse forests um, are the healthiest forests, that when we have a forest that's one kind, um, it doesn't do well. And there's so many metaphors here for how we as people need to learn to live. And um, at a time when we're so fractured, so polarized, and just the devastation of what's going on now in the Ukraine, it just feels to me that um, I want to create something that brings awareness to environmental justice and not just environmental justice as something separate, but that the key to it is the interrelatedness of all things and that we are not, um, people are not the supreme um, um, beings of the world, but we need to, to begin to humble ourselves and listen and respect to our, 
to what surrounds us and learn from the wisdom that it's there in the energy so that, um, so that we can heal. Because I think right now, all of us are, um, it's been a very, very difficult time. And all of us need to not only heal, but to really understand at some deep level in ourselves how we can grow and be better mm -hmm. and how we can see ourselves as a part of a world that we want to save an earth that we want to keep healthy and alive. And I think um, that feels urgent to me and it feels like it brings everything that we work on at JDPP into, um, into its, its framework. And so um, I'm thinking the piece will be interactive. It will ha happen in various um, parks and forest places, um, both in the Hartford area and possibly beyond. And so it'll be a project that will go over the next year and a half. And we're just actually having our first rehearsal this mm -hmm. week. And, um, and so, you know, I, I wanna keep the idea of film and video alive and um, so that we can go back to live performance and return to it in, in, in multiple ways. We also can incorporate film and, and video. I think that the things we've learned during this pandemic We'll keep, um, some of them have been positive. These growth steps have caused us to do things that we wouldn't have done in, in positive ways. And I think we will continue to explore that. We will continue to keep moving forward. We're now through the invitation of the Community Partners in Action working in juvenile detention centers and started a program during this, this time of the pandemic there. And, and we will continue to do that and work with, with youth that are, um, are, have found a way off the path and help them to find their way on it. So we'll continue with the vision and the mission and um, keep expanding it in whatever ways we can. That sounds lovely, Judy DeWarren. I'm there. Thank you so much for telling us about uh, the, the future projects that you and your team will be working on uh, for the local community here in our state. Judy DeWarren, again, the executive and artistic director of the now Justice Dance Performance Project. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Judy. Thank you so much, Lucy. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. After the break, we're going to talk with a woman who grew up dancing and went on to found an educational and performance initiative to help dancers and others heal through the art form. More after a short break. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Dance can help people heal. My next guest has embraced this in her life, and she now works to help others heal, too. Bettina Mahoney grew up dancing and is now the founder of Fortitude, a convention and competition with a mission to empower dancers through the vehicle of performing arts. Bettina, welcome to our show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So tell us about uh, how you created Fortitude. Yeah, so I started Fortitude when I was 19 years old, a week after my sexual assault that happened on my college campus. And I remember feeling dehumanized and degraded because the collagens support what I was going through. And so I wanted to really help people. That was sort of the catalyst for how Fortitude began. And so I decided I wanted to take and bridge empowerment and dance and mold them together. 
And so I called up my cousin, Eric Edstrom, who was studying over at Oxford for his MBA. And I asked him to help me put together a business plan for Fortitude. And when I did that, I realized that everything that I was going through would come full circle. And so from then on, um, that summer, I had my first convention, which was my prototype convention that summer um, over at Cambridge. And we had everyone from, you know, teens to pre-med students. And it was very clear to me that they felt like we were using our mission to really help impact their lives. And cut to 2019, when I brought Fortitude to New York, what was really powerful for me was seeing our mission come alive in a way that was so special, seeing the teachers facilitate our mission by making it really clear that it didn't matter how high their leg would go, as long as they were able to use dance as a therapeutic tool to help them get through their lives. And something that felt full circle for me was was seeing all of these kids, like over 100 kids in a circle together eating lunch and hearing things from the students saying, make sure you get home safe, text me when you got home safe. It was something that felt really intimate for me because of what I went through, because fortitude came from such a raw place of feeling scared for my life and not knowing how I would be able to go on and then using that as the power to create something that was bigger than myself. And that has continued on to, to today. Mm-hmm. Bettina, I'm sorry that happened to you as a college student, uh, but to hear how you um, have um, moved to work to help others uh, to be aware of trauma, to uplift people through dance. I understand that uh, you recently uh, did a workshop in, in Hartford uh, to, and I'm wondering if you can talk about how you work with teens to help them tell their stories of healing and to build community. Yeah, so I, I'm very aware of social media because our, our demographic is mostly 14 to 19 years of age. So with knowing that, I know that with mental health, social media, you know, it causes a lot of issues. It causes a lot of uh, depression, anxiety. Um, and so I, I'm aware of that. So before we teach and we go into these convention weekends, I educate teachers on how to sort of body scan and be aware of these kids and be aware of the fact that our mission is so strong and so prominent in what we do. I care less about, again, the technique, even though that is important, I care less about that and more about the student leaving feeling better than when when they came in. We feel very strongly that we want to give them the tools on how to get through life better. And we had a moment where I went into one of the convention rooms and the students were crying. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And it was actually because one of the teachers was in one of the students' spaces, pushing her and embracing her to to really dance full out and dance to her fullest potential. And it made her cry because it was the first time she felt something in a long time. Mm. And so for me, that's powerful. (laughs) You know, It's, it's, it's why we do this. It's why we dance. It's why I started. And to be able to help people when I felt like I was isolated and alone, that makes life feel full circle for me. And it's become my purpose. You mentioned a body scan. Can you describe that? Tell us what you mean by that. So a body scan is being able before the class, 
we we do a lot of work where we met it's more of a meditative work you know just being aware of like where we are in our bodies how how much can we dedicate and be fully focused and in the moment and learning about how to leave the baggage at the door learning about how we can facilitate whatever might be going on in their lives whether it's trauma whether it's something very minimal you know these these kids were were aware that to teenagers little things feel like the end of the world and that's totally valid but before class we we say you're in a safe place the things that are holding you down weighing you down we're going to get through it together and so we like to use a metaphor for climbing up the mountain and and you know climbing up and we're going to take your hand and help you get up there and then we'll high five you at the top because i felt going back to 2019 i felt like i didn't have anyone to high five when i was at the top and so it can get very lonely so we're very very aware of that and so we like to make sure that these kids feel comfortable to go into into these conventions feeling powerful and feeling vulnerable and feeling like they're safe enough to make mistakes make errors so that they can grow and then they receive those tools to go out into the world no matter if it's a office job or in the entertainment industry they will take these lessons that they learned from us and they'll use it for the rest of their lives i mentioned earlier that you grew up dancing and so when you're doing mm-hmm. these workshops and conventions you know how do you create that inclusive environment for people who uh, may have very little dance experience or you know who have different bodies and may not be what people consider uh, to be a dancer can you talk more about that yeah so i grew up dancing and in high school i was in a pre-professional program called project moves and we did a lot of work for built like bridging the gap between social injustices and dance. So that was my first introduction to that dance can be used for art. Like it can be used to better the world and it can be used for positive messages. So a lot of what I do with Fortitude is we create a space where we are very clear that dance can be used to impact the world. Dance can be used for everyone. Dance can be used as a therapeutic tool at any age and any body type and what i really appreciate about my mission is because it started from such a raw and authentic place that people are very drawn to us because of that because i am so forthcoming about my experience because i make sure i train my teachers so that they're aware that people come from different places and different backgrounds and different demographics and that we need to be aware and so that that starts with the body scanning that starts with the messaging of you are good enough you will face hard challenges and you'll be able to overcome it and so we take fortitude quite literally that any challenge you may grow through and go through will make you into a better person and i know that because it happened to me and i have seen it through hundreds of kids that we have been able to educate and it's super powerful and people leave feeling that they can make their world better and i've seen people feel insecure coming in and leave feeling wow i can maybe try and do some voice classes maybe i can try and audition for that show that i really wanted to do but was too afraid to do it before so we give them these tools on how to really better themselves and it's really powerful and it's super fulfilling and it it was something i grew up 
caring a lot about using social injustice and acceptance messages at my studio growing up at the gold school and using it and carrying it on into what I do today. And it's something that fulfills me. And it's something that I've seen really, really works. You've been hearing Bettina Mahoney here on Where We Live, founder and CEO of Fortitude. This is a convention and competition with a mission to empower dancers through the performing arts. Bettina, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you do. Thank you so much for having me. Today's show is produced by Tess Terrible. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Special thanks to Gina Amatruda on our board today. Coming up tomorrow, U.S. inflation is at a 40-year high, and individuals on fixed income like retirees are likely to be affected the most. On the next Where We Live, we talk about how high food prices have also exacerbated food insecurity and have weakened the value of federal dollars for COVID relief. How's inflation impacting your household? That conversation tomorrow. Connecticut Public Radio provides